Welcome to the Relentless Forward Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Jungling, and I've got an exciting, pretty awesome episode for you today. Actually, I've got two episodes. Um, This one's going to be split into two because it went pretty long, Um, but our guest was really awesome, and I'll get to the guest in just a second. Um, But this episode of the podcast is brought to you by GI Associates. And GI Associates is one of the largest and best gastroenterology clinics in the southeastern United States. Um, Run Strong and myself have a great partnership with GI Associates. We have a mutual interest in promoting colon cancer awareness. And uh, last year we put on a race called the Butts and Guts. This year we're rebranding the race. Um, The name will be announced pretty soon, but uh, it's going to be coming up in the spring. And it's pretty exciting. And, and the goal of that is uh, to raise money for the 70 by 2020 initiative. That initiative is a group that is trying to get 70% of eligible Mississippians to get screened for colon cancer by 2020. And I think the number is pretty low. It's below 50% right now. Um, but it's so important. And insurance covers it if you're over 50. And I think it may even have changed to 45 now. And even younger if you have a history of uh, colon cancer in your family. So it's really important. So uh, we have a really great partnership in promoting this. And as a colon cancer survivor uh, myself, it, I, I, I take it to heart and it's important to me. So if you are eligible to get screened and you're in the southeastern United States, or even if you're not, call GI Associates today at 601-355-1234. Tell them Jeremy sent you or RunStrong sent you. And uh, if you're not local... They can probably put you in touch with a great GI um, clinic in your area and get screened today. There's no reason not to get screened for colon cancer. I can tell you that getting a colonoscopy is a whole lot better than getting colon cancer. So make that appointment today. Again, it's 601-355-1234. At RunStrong, we have some pretty exciting news. The first RunStrong multi-use facility is in construction right now. It's... uh, it's going to be called RunStrong HQ. Um, up to this point, um, we've been sort of a homeless business. Uh, I've been operating out of a converted bedroom at home and in local parks and um, at regional events. But now RunStrong is starting what is going to be one of the first of its kind, probably in the nation. Um, it's what you could call a runner's paradise. It's a, it's a multi-use facility that's going to um, cater to all things that a runner or a walker needs including it's going to have a gym um, where people can do some functional fitness training, some strength training, group workouts. Um, It's going to have an event space, um, an area where we can do clinics and workshops and races. It's on a local trail. Um, It's going to be a store. It's going to have some retail products, just select products that we recommend um, that members will get discounted pricing on as part of their membership. Um, And one of the coolest things we're going to do is it's going to also have a recovery aspect. There's going to be a cryo spa, a sauna, and we're going to have Normatec recovery boots in. So after a long, hard run, our runners can come in, sit down in a recliner, put on the recovery boots, the compression boots, and um, recover. Uh, So it's also going to have a really cool members area where they get some special perks and privileges for being members of RunStrong. And uh, it's just going to be really a unique and awesome space. It's, I I think, one of the first of its kind. You know, most businesses in the run specialty industry start as retail, and then those retailers um, do things like events and 5Ks and clinics and stuff to to cater to their their runners. Um, 
and in this case, we've kind of taken the opposite approach. RunStrong has um, has taken all the things that a runner wants, and we have the retail portion of it, but it's just going to be a smaller portion of it. So it's kind of a runner's facility, a coaching place, a place to get training, um, a place to, for people to do their runs from. Um, and then also it's, it's a nice um, added perk to some of the corporate partnerships that we have, including with GI Associates, where the employees of the companies we have corporate partnerships with will be able to come and have limited memberships to the gym as well. Uh, so it's really going to be awesome. That I'm, I'm probably not doing it justice in the way I describe it. It's, it's just going to be really, really neat, and I'm looking forward to sh- uh, sharing that with everybody. And we hope to have it open by the end of December. Um, it's going to be one of a kind. Maybe uh, someday it'll come. If you're not in Mississippi, it'll be coming to a city near you. Um, our guest today was uh, awesome. Her name is Rebecca Turner. She is a best-selling author. She wrote a great book called Mind Over Fork, uh, which covers a lot of nutrition. But it's not just a nutrition book where you're going to read about calories and macronutrients and stuff like that. Rather, she talks a lot about the mindset and the mentality that you have to foment in your life uh, and how that can apply to nutrition and dietary choices and um, be a positive in your life instead of a struggle. And Rebecca has a lot of good information. Um, Mike McElroy is on the podcast with us. He's my co-host who's been in a lot of the shows. Mike uh, has a ton of great questions and discussions for Rebecca. Rebecca takes me to task a little bit for some of the um, nutritional behaviors that I have um, taken upon myself in the last six months, but I think it's valuable. I think it'll be good for people to understand that as well. But this, uh, we had so much to talk about. We didn't talk as much about nutrition as I would have, as, as we originally planned. Rather, we talked a lot about um, lifestyle and mindset and approaching fitness and, and, and a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, and it ended up being a little longer than we'd originally planned as well, so it's split it into two parts. So you're going to hear the first part with this episode, and uh, I think you'll really really enjoy it. So again, thanks for listening to the podcast and to this episode. We really appreciate your support. There's lots of exciting things um, happening at RunStrong. If you don't follow us on Facebook or Instagram, please do. On Facebook, it's at RunStrongMS, and on Instagram, it's at RunStrong.MS. Even if you're not local to the Mississippi area, there's a lot of information on there and some pretty cool stuff that you can participate in. There's even ways for you to become a member of RunStrong and get um, benefits and perks of being a member, even if you're not local. So it's some pretty cool stuff going on. But again, thanks for listening. Check out this episode. Got to run. All right, we are live. Yay. Yay. We're here. This is Jeremy, and I'm here with uh, my occasional co-host, guest host. I never know what to call you. but Friend. Mike McElroy. And then we have a special guest in studio. Can I call this a studio? Sure. I mean, you're in multi... You're a... A I didn't national buy it. star. So does this count as a studio? <laughs> and we're here with Rebecca Turner, best-selling author. So funny. Noted dietitian. With a good story. And we've had we've already talked for about twenty minutes. Uh, I guess this would be off air with a lot of nutrition stuff. We got Rebecca really fired up, got her blood pressure up, and we're hoping that'll happen again. At some point in the podcast, I feel certain we can do that. I think we can do it. I'm going to bring. She'll once I tell her what. I did to myself. She's gonna. She's gonna have a heart attack. I don't care what you do to yourself. So let's get started. Uh, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. How have you been? Been good. 
<clears throat> and if you recognize Rebecca's voice, it's probably because she's all over the radio and the TV and yeah. what else have you been doing lately? The Facebooks. The Facebooks. Uh, keeping busy. I do apologize if I get into a coughing fit. You did choose like the one week I sound like a teenage boy <laughs> with the weather change and all of that. And the you know it's the one thing you don't want whenever talking is your livelihood, but it is what it is. But I I'm, thought maybe you had taken up smoking and you were going for that Marlboro. Yes. You know, that's the latest diet trend. I hear it. Smoking makes you lose weight, doesn't it? Smoking makes you your lose weight. Your next book is going to be Mind Over Tobacco. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, already, I already accomplished that back in, at USM. You can't run very well with a hangover and a, a smoker's lung. I learned that quick. Are you sure? The hangover? <laughs> it seems like maybe I tried that before. Yeah, I bet it wasn't your best time. I don't know. Could that be considered carb loading? Is that a thing? We'll have to talk about that. Well, where do you want this conversation? I don't know. All right, well, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not a professional here, so you got to figure out where we're going. You're a best-selling podcast. I am a... Down, the Netherlands love podcast. you. The Netherlands does love me. We <laughs> talked about this Nether- a little before. Somebody in the Netherlands need to reach out to you. Somebody in Iran listens to this podcast. I think it's a CIA spot. So now you have the government downloading your podcast. Which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm cool with that. I pay my taxes <laughs> for the most part. There you go. I've never been audited. But yeah, I have a big following in the UK. It's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I've made you international now. I mean, That's you're, amazing. you know, national... But I bet I have more people listening to the international. Yes, several, but I can't name them off the already top done. of my head now. <laughs> She's already international. I actually shipped, somebody paid 20 plus dollars for me to sign it and then ship it to them somewhere in Africa. Ooh. So. I've been in Egypt. And it didn't make it, so I had to do it again. <laughs> oh, no. Where'd it go? And but I ate that shipping cost. I have no idea. I've never shipped internationally. Apparently, you have to write really, like, it's it's more complicated than it's worth, to be somebody, honest with you. Somebody in Tunisia has your book right now. Probably <laughs> so. Look what I found. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Rebecca, you are what are what do you do? Oh, well, that's a loaded question. So by trade, I am a registered dietitian. I'm also a certified specialist in sports two times. So you have to research every five years due to the changing of science, um, and that somehow led me into uh, a love of communications which led me into the radio. So I host two radio shows here in the metro area um, for Super Talk Mississippi, one statewide, one um, just locally. And then um, I do still the cooking show, Fit to Eat for MPB, which airs Saturdays and Sundays at 1 and and 2, maybe some other times, I can't remember. Um, And then I do a lot of freelance work and speaking and that kind of thing. Podcasts. Podcasts and whatever, um, whatever gets thrown at me. Busy pays the bills, right? Uh, does it? Because sometimes I just feel well, like I'm just productive really busy. busy. And then I'm like, how am I going to pay this bill? Productive busy <laughs> pays the bills. Let's say that way. So athletically, you um, had talked about just a minute ago being at USM and running. So did you start as a runner? And what do you so, do for fitness? Yeah. Know? So let's see. I'm that typical in high school. I did cheerleading. I was a swimmer from the time, competitive swimmer from the time I was five all the way up till I graduated high school. I think I still hold some records at Terry High for the 50 free, but don't ask me the time. Um, and the only reason why I still hold them is they no longer have a swim team. <laughs> <laughs> nice, lock that up. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that is great. Um, but no, no, no. So swimming was a huge part of my everyday life from the, again, time I was five till school. I had cheerleading. 
Uh, I joke and say that I walked track in high school because they needed more uh, people to complete the relay. And literally, I got angry at the coach because I knew I'd come in last. So in typical teenage fashion, I literally walked my leg of the relay, pouting because I was 16 or 17 at the time and needed a good butt, butt whooping. Was this considered a walk-run interval? Or no, just no, no, no. This, this was <laughs> a, a pouty. This was a pouty walk. And now he, when he found out that I grew into being an actual runner. I don't know if he was more mad or, like, proud of me. I couldn't feel, like, because he knew I could probably have done it then. We would have still come in last. That was the whole point. But anyway, that's, I digress. So when I got to USM, I had been athletic my entire life for the most part. But I didn't recognize that it was exercise or that it was doing something for me in terms of uh, physical health or, at that time, um, physique-wise, right? And so... Um, I thought about doing cheerleading at USM, um, but that just didn't pan out in its uh, respect. So I started my freshman year like everybody else, no longer in organized sports. I'd never been in a gym in my life, so I didn't know what working out was. And quickly put on, well, let's just say I started uh, in August a certain pant size, and by Christmas of my freshman year, Santa was bringing me two, si two pant sizes bigger. Um, there's a lot of things that went into that of why that happened, but it was kind of my first wake up call that something that had been removed from my life was fitness or exercising or being physically active because I no longer had, um, you know, uh, practices to make or com competitions to do or, you know, those type of things. So I found my way there to the paint center on uh, USM's campus, which is their fitness center and started dabbling around and met a trainer there who, who became a really good friend, Trisha Larimore. She was an exercise physiologist uh, student at the time who was a big time runner. And over a little talking, she convinced me to run my first 5K, which was on campus at USM. Um, and from there, I was absolutely hooked. I now could marry my competitive nature of high school to, um, to, to just being fit and well as an adult. So that transpired into 5Ks and then obviously half marathons, which I ran my first. Um, I've always been the type that, uh, well, let's just put it this way. I didn't want the wedding to be all about my husband or my fitness journey to be all about the wedding, whichever way you want to put it. So I scheduled my first, <laughs> my, first <laughs> my first half marathon was the uh, Mississippi Blues half marathon. I want to say it was the inaugural one or the one after on January, so it was after my wedding in October, because I didn't want to fall into the statistics of you just get fit for your wedding and then you fall off, off the bandwagon. So I wanted to give myself a goal that was after the ultimate goal, which was to fit into my wedding dress. Um, and then from there, I was literally, I was I trained for that one by myself, and then I was hooked. And I knew if I ever wanted to run anything longer, I was gonna need support, so I got into the local running community from that respect. Um, and just sharing this kind of quickly with you, you know, um, that transpired. I ran for as long as I wasn't pregnant. And then I got knocked up. See, sometimes so once we moved, once yeah. we moved <laughs> back to Jackson, which was a great thing. We were married, five, happily married for five years. It was bound to happen. And I thought I was going to be that girl who, you know, I was going to run through my pregnancy. I was going to run a marathon and then pop out the baby. Woo! whatever it may be. At the finish line? At the finish line, whatever, you know, photo finish. But I had the best OB too, and she told me that I could do anything I wanted to that I was doing prior to pregnancy as long as I was having fun. She said, the moment it's no longer fun, 
that's when you know you are no longer able, capable, or should be doing it as a pregnant person. That's just a generally a really good lesson anyway. Well, that is a good lesson. And so I remember I was about six, five to six months pregnant making my loop outside uh, our home at stopping. And I remember putting my hands on my hips and looking up at the sky and go, who in the hell am I doing this for? <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> And um, it just wasn't fun anymore. And I just wasn't that girl who could keep up training and running the way that I wanted to. And so I I reached out and found some other things which led me to body pump, um, which was my first taste of anything on a bar or sort of related with that. I finished out my pregnancy um, with that. And lo and behold, I told you it was a long story, but lo and behold, like many women, you want your life to be just like it was pre-pregnancy, um, post-pregnancy, you think you're superwoman. Now the baby's on the outside. It's going to be a whole lot easier. Oh, no. It's a whole lot easier when the baby's in where it's supposed to be, not crying, not needing anything. It's, it's easier much to more, keep an eye on them. Yeah, much more complicated. <laughs> so I... Hold on, pause. <clears throat> I'm going to start coughing. <coughs> mm. Women think a lot more about their actions than guys <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. <clears throat> So I quickly realized I couldn't marathon train <clears throat> post-pregnancy. We're having a, she's having a little medical crisis. Mm-hmm. I told you it may happen. That's okay. okay. It's just that tickle. And <clears throat> so I had to find something else that, because in my mind, if I couldn't run for a 20-miler, it wasn't exercise, right? Because I had <clears throat> come from that marathon training mindset. Is that wrong? Yes, if you have a baby. <laughs> okay. And you don't have someone home to watch it for you. All Shout right. out to we're Claire. Gonna, we're going to talk about that, too. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so anyway, long story. I was looking for something that I could do in an hour. And that's when I found CrossFit, which was the first time <clears throat> in 28, 9 years of my life I'd ever picked up a barbell or done any sort of weights. And that changed the trajectory of the next 5 to 6 years of my life in terms of what physical fitness was, my understanding of how the body works, and what so many women are sort of missing out on and misunderstanding. And so, so you're really active <coughs> in CrossFit now. Mm-mm. No? Nope, I no longer CrossFit. So I CrossFitted for about three years and found that I didn't have the time to be good at everything, which really sucks. And in CrossFit, to be good, you have to be good at everything. And But the one thing that stuck out for me was the Olympic lifting and the strength training. And okay. so I decided to take the leap of faith and sort of see how strong I could get if I gave it full <clears throat> attention. And for the last, I guess, little over a year, I've been working with Mississippi Barbell, which is Olympic lifting strength uh, and strength and all that. And I hold the state record in Mississippi for the Master Women's Division for uh, Olympic lifting. Wow. That's pretty impressive. I was the only one that did it, but that's okay. <laughs> State record in swimming and whatever. Same record and whatever. <laughs> That's so. okay. I know a lot of friends that they, they just started making state records for ultra marathon distance. <laughs> and a bunch of people right off the bat did a 50K and they all got a certificate. Uh-huh. And they're like, yeah, but what? I'm like, it still counts. Yeah. It still counts. You're in the record books. And then you have to come back and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, keep it up or whatever. Oh, wow. So that's quite a transition. So yeah. you've gone from runner to... Swimmer to runner. Swimmer, runner, CrossFitter, Olympic. Yeah, and I still have my, uh, there's a heart. If I ever left Olympic lifting, I would go back to CrossFit. But I was going to say, well, what's next? Is that what's next? No, I, am, I have found something I believe in, something that challenges me, something that I can do in my garage. 
And, um, and I think it's a missing conversation for so many women, which is the strength component. Um, and I, I'm here for a while, Lord willing, and my back doesn't give out. And we can talk about that too at some point, but I think Mike probably knows better than this. I think a lot of women are intimidated by no doubt. strength training, especially once they're like, you know, they'll, they'll like functional fitness stuff. That's okay. Because that's everything that women have been, all the branding that's been geared towards, or the promotion, stuff that's been geared towards women is all like, you just need to do a thousand reps. I was going to say, in the last six months, weight. you look like a man now. Yes. You've been doing all I am very gnarly. Oh, totally, yeah. So. I have chest hair. <laughs> yeah, when you came in, I'm like, hey, Ronnie. Oh, that's Rebecca. No. <laughs> no, and that's... Um, We're kidding. She doesn't look like a man. I guess it depends on... Never mind. Um, <clears throat> No, I woke up and identified as a woman this morning, and uh, I'm happy with that. But no, it's been it's been very fun and encouraging, and inspiring to sort of share my and share my story. And sometimes I share it on social media a little bit. I try not to get over Sherry with the, the posting, the lifts, and stuff because I am yes, I hold the state record in Mississippi. Let's be clear, there was let's only a few. Let's, let's be modest. Let's be Let's just be clear. I was the only one in my age group that showed up for the state championship. <laughs> Um, but nationally speaking, I mean, I hold my own in my age group. That's fine. But I'm not headed to the Olympics, and it's not paying my mortgage. But what it is doing is it's starting a conversation with women my age, I'm proud to be 35, who want certain things from their body and their exercise program, and they're not seeing it, but they're yet, you're seeing me get it from things that they would be terrified to do. And so if I can do nothing else but open the conversation, which I feel like we're starting today, on what women are capable of, what weightlifting want do, and then why you should be weightlifting at 35, 40, 45, 50. And in my opinion, because we haven't been weightlifting, women, who I'm specifically speaking of, have not been encouraged to weightlift in this capacity. And I'm not talking about three pound dumbbells or whatever. I'm talking about significant body weight plus sort of loads. Um, Our osteoporosis has increased. It's also why the baby boomer women ages uh, 45 and up is the fastest growing sector of eating disorder population in the United States because they come from the 80s, which was uh, all cardio, no fat, no whatever, and they they lost their only um, ability to burn uh, calories, which is muscle tissue. So once you lose that postmenopausal, then you literally have to just keep reducing your calorie intake. Are you saying they're developing eating disorders? Yes, they're developing eating disorders because, you know, 60s to new 50, 50s to new 40, our women now want to keep looking Mm -hmm. good, feeling good, uh, uh, all these things in years. The new 60 or 70-year-old grandmother does not look like our 60 and Mm -hmm. 70-year-old grandmother, much less the one to our Mm -hmm. parents, right? It's a completely new lifestyle for them. They want to keep up like they have always done. They have not been taught, specifically women of an older age, that to do that, you have to keep muscle tissue. You have mm-hmm. to keep strong bones. Um, you can't just keep taking away food. So without the proper education, those women postmenopausal who want to still go and do, they're secretly starving themselves because with that change, with the age grade, you're automatically losing uh, muscle tissue anyway due to just lifespan so now you're fighting an uphill battle you don't even know what fight you're fighting and you're taking keeping to take away food to stay at a weight you feel comfortable in and below and behold you're 60 and you're anorexic i think this is a good transition into what is considered healthy you know we talk about if you always read i've seen some of this in your book too but what exactly is healthy 
you know, we're going to live a healthy lifestyle. And I think what you're saying is, you know, healthy includes things like strength training, obviously. Well, if you look up the word, the definition of healthy in the Webster Dictionary, it's defined as without disease or injured. So mm-hmm. right there, that leaves a lot to the imagination, right? But what you can grapple out of that, would I would say, that we could all could agree on is a lifestyle that creates... Um, you create a lifestyle that removes or prevents or intervenes or manages chronic illnesses, diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, those type of things, and that prevents or removes or repairs injury. He's fine. Um, which is going to be taking on any sort of uh, athlete or, or fitness adventure that's going to cause you to be injured. Right there, a lot of women think, oh, if I weight lift, I'm going to blow out a knee or blow out a back or, you know, you see this kind of stuff too. And we're talking about safely doing these type of things. Um, So from there, the definition of healthy really becomes so individualized, it's where it gets lost in sort of the fray. Because whenever I was seeing personal clients, the first question I would ask somebody is, what is your definition of healthy? And it would be like deer in headlights back to me because they were like, well, I'm coming to you to tell me that. I can't tell you what your definition of healthy is. I can tell you these parameters that you should be striving for, but how we get there is completely different. I mean, but yes, if you want to ask me, I fully am now 100% uh, convinced that some form of strength training, whether it's even if it's just body resistance, Mm -hmm. but some form of resistance training is a part that I now ask people before I even start asking them what they eat. Because the longevity of a quality of life depends on your bones and depends on your muscles. Food plays a significant part in that, but I can't feed you muscles and I can't feed you strong bones. That comes from a physical force that food can't do for you. I think one of the, if we look at like high level, big picture, common with your story, um, that I talk about a lot is fulfillment. And you've gotten, if we talk about exercise or nutrition that we're going to get into, is getting fulfillment from, and this is kind of like you were talking about understanding why you're doing it. You got fulfillment from running at one time, and then you were open to the change of getting fulfillment through CrossFit at one time, and then you were open to that change of, and people get stuck in thinking, like, I've had people that are members of my gym, and they, like, are, are questioned, or when I owned a CrossFit gym, questioned afraid to tell me that they might try to do something else and I'm like no it's it's okay yeah. to do something different you may not be you may not like CrossFit anymore that's completely fine you may like weightlifting you the keto diet and green that up may work for some person that was telling you about it but if it doesn't anywhere yeah. close to fit your lifestyle then it's probably not going to work and as a running coach you see a lot of people running is the first thing that they get into it's the beginning of a fitness journey like getting back into that health and then they start to realize some of the things like you realize like it's it's kind of limited how much you can you can keep running all you want but there's it's limited what the impact is going to have on you and they it, but it opens up the doors to this new fitness and health and mm-hmm. they start to feel hey i can go do what rebecca's doing i can go do crossfit mm-hmm. well that's also a lot of your triathletes are uh former marathon runners who got bored yeah mm-hmm. you know and they were just looking for a different stimulus very few people start in triathletes i mean as a triathlon i mean unless you have you know the former swimming skills or whatever it's usually running is the gateway kind of fitness um into other areas for sure we've talked about that before on on this of people joining running groups or crossfit gyms or whatever to lose weight and realize that you know they're beating their head against the door because it's not the way to lose weight or get their body composition that they want and they don't enjoy the activity so it's like 
Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I've spent, you know, years working specifically, I can say, with Fleet Feet as well when Stinky Feet was around. And it, w- with your groups, the the first thing usually out of my mouth in terms of weight loss, I think a, I think a 5K is possible, but a half marathon, a marathon, or anything over that is a terrible tool for a weight loss. I say terrible. That to people, in fact, people that join and say, I want to do a marathon, why do you want to do it? I want to lose weight. Well, then they're not going to make it. No, first, you, I mean, it's not a good, it, physiologically, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then emotionally, I mean, you can do it, but emotionally and mentally, it doesn't work. Those two things don't go together mm-hmm. that well. No. They just don't. No. Now, if you want to come in unhealthy and say, I want to complete a marathon for the sake of, you know, physically being able to extend my body in energy for 26.2 miles and hooray and get the medal? Absolutely. But you are going to get discouraged if your idea is to leave with a thigh gap and abs at the end and of 26.2 really miles. that's really my job as the trainer and the coach to transition the people that come in there into being fulfilled by the actual activity that they're doing and to see the results, but in a different way. They can <clears> see the emotional results, the mental results. They can see the friends they make, the community they join. And that usually will lead to the yeah. positive thing, the things that they eventually, that they initially were looking for. But just saying, I'm going to look at a marathon training plan and run it and go do it, that's yeah. not going to, they're not going to. Well, you it. talk about in your book, the, the dream body, people having the dream body and what, you know, markers and stuff put out there and what we see on Instagram and stuff. And it's interesting that the dream body typically is not the healthiest body. No. And that's what people, there's a, there's a disconnect between what is healthy and what is the dream body. And you know, whether it's Rich Browning, whether it's the Ironman world champion, whether it's the top bodybuilder, if you took their lab work or whatever you looked at for health, they're probably not healthy, but people want to look like that because they think that it's going to get them health. Uh, I'm, I'm so, that's, you know, <clears throat> I've often have said that you can manipulate specifically my medium nutrition to get just about any physical result that you want, but that doesn't mean that it's a healthy result or that what you had to do to get there provides long-term good health. Yep. <laughs> um, so just because it works doesn't mean it's right is a sort of or Why are you healthy. Looking at me? No, I just had to. Well, you're, um, you're... <laughs> but I, I would for those that are listening though, this is a good time to sort of pause and give you a little bit of homework to do, which I do talk about mind over fork, is really thinking about your definition of healthy because this becomes your anchor, this becomes your litmus test. Mm-hmm. And it is as individualized as the husband that you choose, the spouse you choose, or whatever it may be, or the way you parent. <clears throat> we all have a litmus test or boundaries. Um, As a Christian, we have the moral and ethical boundaries that keeps me from doing dumb things or at least going too far over the board. Well, my definition of healthy keeps me from veering off to fad diets that maybe I see a friend doing or picking up some random fitness trend du jour that comes through that doesn't line up with my goals and where I'm headed. So for me personally, I'm an all foods fits kind of girl. Um, It's why I developed the Rachel Plate. I I developed in Mind Over Fort Rachel Plate from a disordered eating mindset. I needed a tool that could help me just put the food groups on the table without having to count calories. I can't count calories. I'm an obsessive type person. It leads me in a wrong direction. But I want something, you know, I, I want a boundary to keep me from going overboard. That works for me. Um, I'm also always going to be a strength athlete, but at least for, from here on out, or strength exercising will always be a component of that. So I'm probably not going to take up, um, you know, Zumba or some of these other things just to try out. So now when I have all my friends around me 
choosing new things and trying things out and telling me about how it works for them and the great results that they see or whatever it may be, I'm going to celebrate with them for that, but I'm not going to jump my ship and my definition that's working for me just to give that a go because I'm pretty darn secure in my definition of healthy. And it, it also involves a little Chardonnay. It also involves some chips and salsa because at the end of the day, I'm very aware that no matter what I do physically, it's not going to pay my more so I am not going to sacrifice all the things that bring me joy just for one less pants size, one more five pound or one more kilo on the bar. But you have to know what that is for you. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about nutrition and health as it pertains to nutrition for performance and nutrition for everyday life. Um, and one of the reasons we bring this up is, well, let's just go right into the, your favorite topic, which is like fad diets, mm-hmm. keto, carnivore, stuff like that. So back in April, people who listen to the podcast will have heard this. I wanted to test. I had never really, like nutrition was a realm I had just never gone into. I always ate, you know, a balanced diet. I ate, I ate good foods for the most part. Of course, I was, I was always fine. I have a healthy relationship with food. I'll eat cake if, if I'm at a birthday party, right. but I'm not baking myself a cake to eat the whole cake. I'm going to drink some after to get rid of the cake yeah i'll drink some tea afterwards which <laughs> offsets that we'll talk about that too later but um so then in april i decided i'm going to really go extreme and i want to test i want to really do some kind of nutrition concept that is really really extreme if for no other reason than i want to see what happens i want to see if i mentally can do it i want to i want to change my relationship with how i deal with that and i thought for performance i really needed to take the next step and that was going to be the way to do it i needed to for performance, I wanted to lose some weight. I wanted to reduce my body fat and see if I could grow stronger at the same time. So I chose a carnivore diet, and I was pretty strict about it for 30 days. It was really low Define carb. what that means. I basically eat steak and eggs all the time and bacon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, your first week it was a 100-mile week. And the first, no, it was my second week. Okay. So the second week on it, I also went out to run 100 miles in a week which then I ended up eating some carbs just because I was had this, I was like a crack addict. I just wanted, I wanted to go to Jimmy John's and get some of that doughy white bread. I think it was my body speaking to me. Yes. But I got all the results that I wanted. I've kind of stuck with it. I feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm leaner. My performance is just as good or better than it's ever been. Um, is it healthy? I don't really know. I mean, no. I'm mentally healthy. I'm, <clears throat> physically, I feel fantastic. But how long has it been? Since April. So how many months is that? Six. So the smart ass of me would be, get back to me in two years and tell me how you feel, right? So, or two to to five years, because the long, so so much of the fed diets um, will give you quick results within the first 12 to 16 weeks or whatever, and you feel amazing, right? And then you start to, your body starts to adjust and then plateaus off. And then you think, oh, well, let me hop on the next train. Let me hop on the next train. Um, and so, really, it's hard to tell if this would last you for the next you know, decade of your life. But I can tell you what happened when it first starts happening is, and the reason why you were diving or wanting, dreaming about Jimmy John's is uh, your, really good too. your brain actually yeah. uh, requires 60% of the glucose grams that you require every day. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you can eat more bread and you can become smarter. But what it means is for your body to work, your brain solely works off of glucose. 
So when you take in more more things than you shouldn't, the body has an ability to turn anything that you take in into glucose. It's called gluconeogenesis. It's the creation of glucose from non-glycogen um, sources. So by eating nothing but protein, steak, and eggs, what your body's doing is it's utilizing the capacity it can of the amino acids for muscle repair, muscle building, replenishment, and all that. And it's taking all those other grams of amino acids and it's putting it through the process of gluconeogenesis so you are still getting glucose whether you're eating it as a bread or not. So in my opinion, from understanding the science and the physiology of it, the joke's on you. You think you're removing a food group, but your body's going through a back door to get what it needs to begin with. Sure. So from my, where I sit, I'm like, why in the hell not just eat the potato with a smaller steak and just give your body what it wants? Because when it comes to eventually on a long run, that time it takes the body to convert that is going to be a hindrance to your ability to sustain the effort you want over a period of time. You're asking for a different, another step to it. Um, the other piece of that, though, is you're removing calories whether you believe it or not because steak and eggs fill you up quick. It's an anchor sitting in your gut I for a long... A you can eat a lot. Eggs. Right. <laughs> but what steak and eggs cannot give you are the phytonutrients or the flavonoids that need to bite off the free radicals that come with a high training. So over time, you are setting yourself up to not fix and, and repair the nooks and crannies that are happening on the inside of you that can only come from fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and the food groups that provide those protective barriers. Because basically steak and potatoes are pretty good for ADEK and then proteins and amino acids. Eventually your stores will run and you will start to suffer. So you're talking kind of long term how it's going to Well, wouldn't you want to live long term? Yeah, no, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that just for performance versus health. So is it? So what would have been a better alternative for me to get the same results that I wanted from a performance perspective early on? Like, and but but keep it sustainable. Like, like, what? In, if you were gonna, if in April so, I had gone to you and said and said I want to do something for 30, 60 days. I want. I need a big impact right I'm now. I'm gonna ask you why. Because I wanted to, so same reason, like I would say when I train for a marathon, I can't, I don't lose weight, I don't lean up, it's not really, it just, I've kind of reached homeostasis with a lot of my training, I can just run forever and ever and not, it just doesn't have much impact on it. So I wanted to do something drastic, I wanted to see, it was kind of a mental yeah. test first, but I also wanted to do some kind of drastic physical change. I wanted to lose 10 or 15 pounds by reducing body fat and just see Did what Did you happened. even know if you had the body fat to lose? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I have a Garmin scale that measures that. It's probably not that wildly accurate, but it's a baseline for something. And I mean, it's measuring the same thing over and over. So whether it's accurate or not doesn't matter, but I can tell my clothes fit differently. I can tell my performance was better. Like there was a tangible result. Sure. So, you know, how, do, how, does, how does somebody else balance that? Like clearly we don't want them to. I always said on every podcast we've done, like don't do what I did. That's <laughs> no, and I would idea. say it goes right back to your definition of healthy and what you value. If you value your performance more than you do your overall health long term, go for it. But my thing would be. <clears throat> that makes sense. Yeah. Does, your, does your running pay your mortgage? And is it worth setting yourself up for. Does your running at the. At, <laughs> does, does your, your performance. Does your performance <laughs> pay your whatever and it gets to this indirectly but it gets to this fine line of questions you have to ask yourself improving your performance does not improve your health it improves your ego so, okay, so, so who's talking the, here your ego or your wife that would like to keep you around to your 80 or 90 
Well, I think two at the time. I mean, I've already had cancer twice. Like, I can handle a third time. You need your, you need your, you need your fruits and so, vegetables. I don't want to eat some. I do eat some. I don't want to get into lot. the the minutia of the carnivore diet specifically, but I do have one question about it. The, the things that I've heard about it for for a temporary. Yeah, and fix. you can talk about cycles. I mean, weightlifters cycle. They go through something really dumb well, and well, drop Well, the question weight. I have, and this is a question that I wanted to ask, is and. Uh, obviously, we know a lot of health and wellness comes from the gut and what's in the gut. Yes, we're learning more. That's yeah, some of the territory. some of the uh, things that I've seen of possible hypothesis on why it quote unquote works for a temporary time is that these people that are getting short term results on it, their gut is so messed up with bacteria that it essentially eliminates all gut, good, uh, yeah. all bacteria, good and bad, and then they come in back and put in the you know the fruits and vegetables back. Do you think there's any? Uh, Truth to that, or way to get it without going that extreme. I wouldn't denounce. I wouldn't denounce. Of course, you wouldn't be able to do that unless you tested somebody first. You would have to test somebody first, and I would never recommend you being your own nutritional guinea pig in that respect. But um, I won't deny that there is amazing research coming out about the GI system. I won't deny that what he did didn't improve his performance in the short term. what I try to do for the general population is challenge your thinking on why do you need that? Right. Yeah, like, I, I agree you know, 100%. And it goes too back to like the whole uh, keto diet. My, my whole thing is why do you want to put butter in your coffee and lick bacon for the rest of your life? Like what is it about getting down to the, the few sizes lower or whatever it may be that's so important to you that you would forego all the blessings that can come from a balanced and healthy mm-hmm. diet just for an outward appearance of health. Um, whether Take off whether it works or not. Like, Why are you so emotionally attached to needing to run faster or needing to do better right. to the extent you're willing to sacrifice your health yeah. for it? Like, That's a huge question that I think is not being sort of uh, analyzed and talked about. Yeah, um, and that's the... Have her down goals fulfillment, and then now what? And that's kind of what I try to lead clients to as well. Of, you know, they have the, they come to me with this goal, and I say, okay, here's here's what it may take to get there, and mm-hmm. they probably will back off at that point. But if they don't, I say, okay, if you let's say you get this goal of this body that you're looking for, are then, you going to keep it? Or and even then what? And then what? What do you yeah. get from it? And the answer is probably nothing. You're not going to get fulfilled. You're going to be more frustrated because that body is not going to be that body, and you've done all this hard work that stressed you out on a bunch of different levels and they're still not fulfilled from it. So it's like, okay, so what are we even, let's go back to square one then and let's just do balance. You know, trust me, if you, if you read my book, um, some of the, most of the case studies in there are, are me. Um, but my public, my publisher was like, you shouldn't just talk about yourself. Let's make up fake names. <laughs> sure. Um, so one of them that, that sticks out to me, though, was talk, going back to my wedding and where a lot of my disordered eating started. It wasn't even from a, um, performance stand base. I wasn't even that type of dietitian yet. Um, but I, we were engaged for two years and I went and went and bought my dress, obviously like three weeks after we got engaged because that's what every, you know, bride wants to go and get the dress and leaving my, uh, wonderfully intentioned bridesmaid said, well, what happens if you get fat in two years? And I was like, wrong thing to say to me. (laughs) So I literally drove back and came home every like 12 to whatever weeks to make sure the damn thing zipped um, for the last two years. But I came obsessive with that size. Like I had to be that size to fit into that dress two years from there. And I didn't realize the detriment that it was doing to everything. 
And I never was clinically disordered uh, eating, so I don't want to take anything away from people who truly suffer with bulimia, anorexia, orthorexia, or any of those. Um, but I was disordered eating to the point that I literally ate the same thing morning, noon, and night, because if nothing changed, then hopefully nothing would change. Mm -hmm. And um, all I ate was like tuna fish, broccoli, string beans. I didn't see a loaf of bread for like two years. Fast forward to what I talk about in the book is on my bachelorette party, I had too much tequila. And of course, when you come home and you're with girls who don't care about... <laughs> you know, tuna fish and broccoli, and they make mac and cheese for your hangover. And I was sitting on the front porch outside with the mac and cheese bowl in my, in my lap, eating it with a wooden spoon, licking it, going, oh my God, I have been depriving myself. And I'm, it sounds really good. It sounds really good, but it just, it also goes to show what mental state I was willing to put myself, and I didn't realize I was putting myself in for two years obsessively for a certain size that um, ended up I had to gain weight for because the damn thing was too loose. But um, but anyway, so that is what I don't wish on anybody, and I am not the only one that struggles with that. So, again, it goes back to what I would ask you over and over again is why do you feel the need to sacrifice your health to the point to run a little faster when the world record's not on the line, when your mortgage is not on the line, when, why, what is not being fulfilled in you that you need to push the limits that far? Yeah, good question. So I don't think that, <clears throat> I, this is not something I want to do long term yeah. because I don't know, I assume there You're aren't a lot of... You're on the hot seat of, right now, by the way. What's that? You're on the hot seat right now, by I'm the way. I'm fine. I already, I know the answer is always, <laughs> I've had these questions answered. I have to answer them from my wife. Like, this is easy. <laughs> No, and, and if you're in the right mindset and you have a very experimental mindset, Jeremy, that's completely different than yeah. I sit as the woman in the room and understand that a lot of the women out there aren't going, mm -hmm. oh, this didn't work. I can go back to eating yeah, in moderation. No, yeah. I can go, I and I've already gone back a little <laughs> to eating a little more normal, but what it's done, they're having a lot of positive benefits for me that will, that will last long term, and that's I have more management of my own nutrition. I know... I, I've seen results from probably less from what I have been doing and less from what I haven't been doing. So I eat less of the stuff that I knew was not good for me because when you're marathon training a lot, you're just like, I can have 27 bowls of Frosted Flakes because i got to run 12 miles tomorrow, and that doesn't work. So I've started to eliminate things and just have a little better control over what, I'm, what right. I eat. Um, but I have a really healthy relationship with with nutrition and, and food and stuff. I just really but want to use experimental. Rare. Yeah. And you know and who's so, like also the, the they hide behind disordered uh, body image? Our runners, mm -hmm. our CrossFitters, oh, yeah. are the fitness people, which is very, you know, you would think it's an oxymoron, yeah. but those are the ones who are the most obsessed with their outward appearance. True, although to a certain extent, if you... Like, which I'm not discouraging fitness. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if it's driving you towards some fitness and... And physical activity, yes, we, you need to address some of those issues, but it's better, it's good that at least, you know, we're, we're, you're having the we're conversation. Dry, we're having a conversation about you need, fitness. I mean, and yeah, I mean, and it's a conversation that needs to be had, and it's one that has sort of started, and it can go to both extremes. Um, and that's, again, not me saying you shouldn't push yourself for physical, fit, for physical feet. If you want to run a 100K, that's right. I think it's more of like, it's the, it goes back to what, Mike's really good at talking about is your why. Have you ever asked yourself why you need to lose the last ten pounds? Like you talking why? about me or anybody? Anybody, in anybody oh, listening? Yeah. Like because I have. Why do you that need to manipulate your everyday? Why? Why does ninety percent of your thinking from morning to night revolve around uh, you eating, whether you're an athlete or not? 
Like, why what are you, you so missing that? That's and that's feel. the other thing that, that's been a benefit of this for me is I don't think about food hardly at all. It's more of a tool now. And so if, I, if somebody has a cookie, I might eat a cookie. I don't really care. But I don't think about food. Right. I, I, it's really regulated my cravings and all this stuff. So there's been a lot of positive benefits. While, and I don't, I'm not 100% certain exactly. I, I did some research beforehand. Research. I read some articles beforehand about how this might affect and whether the things that it's going to do to me would be long-term negative health. And I don't think it would be, I'm not going to die like next year because I ate a lot of steak. <laughs> no, not so, at all. So I was comfortable with not the, I'll, I'll do air quotes of risk. I was comfortable enough with the risk to try to get the goals and achieve the things I wanted. And I wanted to understand nutrition from a different perspective myself. I was say, as a coach. Earlier, so when you I were in to, an experimental Yeah, when I go to, too. so when I go to teach people like this is an experiment I do for myself, don't do what I'm doing, but don't be afraid to reach out to try to. But they want to, to do ex- what you're doing, but they don't but have your mindset. Nobody. They, and they're not going to do it to the T that you do it. But that's why I bring someone like you on and I say, all right, don't do what I did, but it's important to have these discussions. Listen to what Rebecca Turner No, and it's, I can't so, tell you how to eat no more than I can tell you how to parent, no more than I can tell you how to, your religious you beliefs. I <laughs> no, no, that. I definitely can't there. Um, and that's where I feel like for years I've tried to give people bullet points uh, that they could put on their index cards and go home. You can Google right now yeah. how to eat better, lose weight, and you'll get a lot of really quality information. Um, the problem is, is it's the thought process behind it and your connection with it and the rest of your life that has to go with it. And, you know, I just want to challenge more than anything, not how you're eating, but the way you think about it. Like, why do you need to do that? Like, why do you feel that's, so compelled see, to do See, that's really it? what I wanted to do, too, just from a different perspective. Like, what, like to, to change And this people, isn't, I again... I bring I, up the topic of... of people's relationship with food like you said why are you obsessing about food all the time why are we thinking about it all the time about it all the time but this that's what i wanted to do with this and i think it's worked for some people in my group they've just started to think more about it and they've tried to they want to be healthy too but they mm-hmm. want performance they want to be fit so they've started exploring their own they've taken their that's own awesome. journey to explore it yeah. no and exploring your own journey is absolutely fine um it's just again why are you jumping ship like if i'm doing fine right now okay so this is bad this is this would be a red flag if you're listening and right now you're doing something and it's working for you and the moment you heard Jeremy say, I did X, Y, and Z and got great results, you pulled out your pen and pad and started writing that shit down because you're going to go, oh, I'm going to go on extremes next week. If it worked for him, maybe I can get these last 10 pounds off. You are jumping ship on your definition of healthy. Stay in your boat. Yeah. Stay in your boat. And that's the part where if you are like ADD with it, then you need a center. And nobody, most people don't even have a center in terms of what they really want. They really don't want to run 100 miles. Yeah, true. But some people, you I have mean, to... Well, they may I once, mean, and there are some that legitimately may, but the general public yeah, don't want and to this put in is the a, effort. And you know, when I present this kind of stuff... They don't understand the effort. It's more of a controlled environment, too. I'm not just broadcasting to the masses, hey, everybody, look what I did, and then yeah. this is what you need to do to be healthy and fit and strong. You know, that's just total nonsense. So, I mean, it's a controlled environment, the people I'm talking to, and as a way to lead them down their own path. You may have some guy in the Netherlands who's eating a carnivore diet now. You know well, what? He probably just PR'd his marathon, and then he probably got a sponsorship deal. And now well, this kind of burning segue, my book. not set away, is it is kind of the same topic. You talk about in your book, Conscious eating and eating with awareness which is kind of what we're talking about a little bit and so can you 
describe that a little bit more of how you talk about it in the book? So, the, the, one aware. of the main problems that I have seen from everybody or that I would work with is we are so busy and nobody's willing to let go of anything else to make another area of their life better. And when it comes to eating, you cannot improve that quality part of your life without being conscious about what you're actually eating. Um, and so with that comes the monkey brain and the fact that your brain cannot have but one thought at a time. And so a lot of our obsession with mindless eating or our addiction to it is the fact that if you have a go, go, go mindset, your brain can't think about how good, you can't think about all the worries when you're sitting there popping in, um, you know, chocolate covered raisins or whatever it may be. Your brain stops, pauses, and focuses on what you're eating versus what you're worried about. And it's a mental break. It's the same, you could get the same from a walk, you could get the same from, you know, stretching or whatever it may be, but oftentimes eating is the most enjoyable thing. So your brain becomes addicted to the break and will look for ways for you to stop and mindlessly snack because all you're doing is you're trying to stop the noise in your head. This one conscious and the other is just being aware of what you're putting in your mouth. And I if you ate lunch and then you can't recite, like if right now, could you tell me what color your underwear is? Because there's a lot of people who couldn't. Right? Like, that's a legit question I because... That's a very personal question. It, I don't care what color it is. <laughs> I didn't ask you if you fuchsia. were wearing them. I asked you what color they were. Mauve? Maybe mauve. Legit. Like, if you were, if you could make it to lunch and you were asked the question, what color is your underwear, and you didn't put that much consciousness into getting dressed, you just went in there and started throwing things on, your morning's too busy. And if you can't tell me what you had for lunch, your lunch was too busy. If I can't tell... Wait, say it again. <laughs> Like, if you don't remember what your last meal was, because you just ate it. Well, see, there, I solved that problem. I never have to think about that. I'm like, bacon, (laughs) eggs, steak, (laughs) eggs. It's so easy. Every time. It's so kind of neat. I talk about, um, I was trying to figure out how to say this before you came in, but, like, I talk about eliminating a lot of those mindless decisions, or, or making more decisions mindless throughout the day, food not being one of them, but clothes yeah. being one of them, so making as much of that automatic where I'm not thinking about it so that we do have more brain power to either do work or eat. But also we talk about a lot of getting people to sit down and consciously yeah. eat their food. Um, but the other thing that you, you mentioned in your book that I was kind of more referring to is actually going to the store and shopping oh, of like yeah. not just going through and getting your normal foods that you're used to getting, but taking the time to look at and explore new foods all right let's take a little break there because we're going to split this into two episodes all right that was the first half of the rebecca turner and mike mcelroy episode we left off with mike asking a question we'll pick that up again in the second episode so just go on and check it out thanks again for listening